Welcome to the Catwalk Through Life podcast. I'm your host, Rashi Stevens-Charlton. I'm a former model, TV host, and Miss India Global. I was featured in the book Roshni, Global and Emerging Leaders, and I have now created this space for listeners who need a little push of positivity to get through the series of events that we call life. Today, I am so excited to be joined by media personality, writer, TV commentator, and director of Omnia Institute, Preeti Upala. Thank you so much, Preeti, for sharing your time with us today on Catwalk Through Life. How are you doing today? You look gorgeous. Namaste, Rashi. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show. It is such a a pleasure to speak with like-minded people, and I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. So when you contacted me about coming on the podcast, I looked into Omnia Institute, but can you, to start off, can you just tell the listeners about Omnia Institute? Yes. So I have my entertainment side, of course, and my media side, but I also have a political side and a sort of a Uh, Let's say uh, I work with different think tanks and organizations, and I'm a freelancer. However, I thought um, it's always good to, you know, uh, have a firm. So Omnia Institute is a, uh, you know, a research slash think tank, uh, global, looking at things like foreign policy, geopolitics, diplomacy, soft power, all of that. It's my umbrella company, I would say. And uh, it is the the website and all of that is in progress, uh, being designed as we speak. So hopefully very soon, all of that information will be up there. Yeah. Wonderful. That sounds amazing. So how long have you been in the media or entertainment and doing politics or in that world, in that space at the same time? Oh, yeah. So interesting question. I'm a former investment banker turned uh, producer, actor and and sort of media personality. I came to L.A. on a scholarship to study film in New York. And that's what brought me here. And uh, I, you know, that was I thought that was the real reason why the universe was pointing towards L.A. and, and towards Uh, New York and and America. But uh, it turns out that I have obviously many, like we all do, I guess, different interests, different skills, different gifts. So I've been um, smart enough, I think, to uh, tie them all in and, you know, do different things that reflect those. So this happened several years ago. It's very natural for me because I've traveled to over 100 countries. I have a good background in specifically, you know, like anything to do with international affairs and so on. And I've always worked with different think tanks and nonprofits uh, in various human issues and um, sort of diplomatic uh, issues over culture and race, religion, all of that stuff. So it was quite a natural, I think, um, fit that this sort of unfolded in this way. And during COVID, I think, I realized what uh, that there is a space needed for, you know, women, you know, get involved in this particular sort of line of work or field, I should say. So I've been doing it for several years, but I think I have a lifelong experience of understanding different cultures and traditions and understanding human beings. Wow, that's 
powerful stuff. So I have some great questions to ask you in your interview today. Shall we get right into them? Yeah, let's dig in. Okay. So the first, you did mention being a woman in this space. So the first one is actually on that topic. Being a woman in a generally male dominated industry, like the entertainment industry or media, how did you navigate through everything and creating uh, a name for yourself in all these roles? All right. So the, the entertainment uh, industry, I, w- I would keep it, it it's different. They, they differ, you know, in media slash politics. These are two different industries. They're both male dominated in, in a different way. Uh, I'll speak more about the, the second one. Uh, one thing you have to realize is, you know, it is heavily male dominated and it's also an industry where you have a lot of older men. So even a very young man would, it would be interesting. He would also be a kind of a misfit, you know. So I've been on panels with people two, twice my age, sometimes almost three times my age. These are heavily experienced professionals, experts in their industries. And I'm just such a privilege for me to be included in that group. Uh, First thing that they look for is somebody who really knows what they're talking about, has the knowledge and expertise. Now, and that's very obvious. You either have it or not from right from the moment you walk in and open your mouth, they'll know. And when they see somebody who is actually knowledgeable and articulate and intelligent, they have so much respect. They don't look at how young you are or you're a female or any of that uh, sort. They just take you for, for, for you and they want to listen to what you have to say. So that's amazing. You know, I think uh, young women and just young people, my advice to them is be positive. I think people out there actually want to support you. And the better you are, they, the more they want to support you. So make sure that you bring your A-game. And as a female, I always bring my A-game, doing my research, uh, being as polished as I can, succinct with my points of view, on my toes, ready to debate. You know, you have to be very bold, I think, to correct somebody or to, you know, if you want to disagree with somebody, you have to back it up. And people don't, you know, I mean, the art of debating and the art of, uh, I, I, you know, speaking, I think you have to work at it. It makes a huge difference. Um, I was just on a panel with Steve Forbes, who is, I think, 85 and he's a billionaire. This was for the World Economic Summit. And we actually had the same, uh, we agreed, we had the same points of view. And after, I've been on panels with him before, but we know each other. But I mean, he he came up to me, gave me a big hug and said, I love your points. I love how you speak about them. You're so passionate. And, you know, I want to do more of these with you and so on. So uh, because they, they see beyond color and age and all of that, if you bring it, trust me, they'll see it. Now, if you're not bringing any of those, then obviously these other things stand out and it becomes very easy to dismiss someone. So my advice is be the best you can. And trust me, they will respond. Wow. Wow. That is truly incredible. That that sounds like an amazing opportunity that you have had in the past a number of times. So as an entrepreneur, what would you say are two major factors to keep in mind? Like, let's say 
somebody is headed into that world and they want to know from you, someone who's done it, someone who's experienced, what are two main things to keep in mind when you're starting as an entrepreneur? All right. So I do have, I mean, there's so many, but two, two quick ones, I would say one is be passionate about what it is that you're pursuing. So if it's an app, product, a brand, a book, a movie, if you're trying to be a thought leader in something and there's a particular issue, whatever, you know, and your your business is in, or this even applies for small businesses. Uh, if you want to be your own boss and have your own brand, if you're a one-stop shop, uh, one-stop one woman, I should say, the point is you have to be so passionate about uh, your uh your particular offering to the marketplace because being an entrepreneur is a lonely road. It is, uh, it could be a very long winded road. It's very challenging. You will have a lot of obstacles from all uh, different levels. And unless you really love what you do and it will be blood, sweat and tears, I can guarantee you that it can take a long time. You might be doing this for five, 10 years before you see any real results. And for you to be that passionate for that long, you know, you really have to love what you're doing and you do need to do it for the right reasons. Uh, make sure your why is always better than the who or the how or the what. I think people forget about this. Make sure it's bigger than yourself. So all of that becomes very important. And when you meet people, people will see the passion. They will know, okay, this person really loves what they're doing. They switched on. They have integrity. I believe in them. I believe in their product. I'm willing to give it a chance. That uh, that stuff is priceless. So that's one thing. The second, I think, is uh, be willing to be your authentic self and go at it alone if you have to. This is the most single most useful advice I think I'd give to anybody pursuing anything. Because guess what? Like Be yourself because everybody else is taken. And I think we live in a world where people too often want to be something that they're not. They want to impress. And especially in, in Hollywood, people are trying to be something else. They're trying to actually shun their true identity and be this, uh, have this um, uh, alter ego, this other personality that they think is going to be charismatic. And that's simply not how the world works. People actually like what's real. And maybe one of the reasons I've had such good responses, I, I uh, go around the world, I speak uh, at events and do panels and workshops. And, you know, people always come up to me and say, I love your passion. You're unique. You're very brave. Uh, you're very refreshing to have your points of view. And it's just very inspiring. And, um, you know, that that's uh, music to my ears. Um, I mean, it's nice, I think, especially when you have women come up to you. I did something recently for a for a, a, a global sort of big political event. There are a lot of different political outfits there. And there's a number of people that came up to me after my talk. And I was apolitical, by the way. I was talking about something different. But the number of people that came up to me, regardless of their political leaning, who would say, you were amazing. I loved you. And in fact, parents or mothers will say, you know, my daughter was in the audience and she said, I love her. She's brilliant, you know. So th that's fantastic. That I can take away with me and it keeps me going. And you will have good days, bad days, 
But, you know, comments like that, I think they remind you that you're doing the right thing. You're on the right track. So I think those two are my tips for any young entrepreneur. Those are great tips. Great tips for somebody starting out and that needs direction. So what is your thought process on taking risks either career-wise or in one's personal life? Because I, I can see that you yourself are a risk taker. So what are what's your take on that? Well, being the typical Aries woman, I am, I are love- Are you an Aries? You're I'm Aries? an Aries. My daughter is an Aries. <laughs> oh my gosh, people achieve great things. And uh, I'm very lucky. I had an amazing family. I had great parents who trusted me. They gave me a lot of freedom. They were very supportive, very um, sort of unconditionally loving and caring. And whatever I wanted to do, they just wanted me to fly. Uh, and they made a lot of sacrifices for that. So I'm so blessed um, uh, the only thing I would say is she is going to be the pioneer and uh, trust her because she will know what she's doing. And in her reasoning, which is usually very sensible and sound, yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> she has a plan and it will work. Aries, women especially, uh, they will go where no one else wants to go. So if they're willing to go there, there's a reason for it. Trust, I think, their their judgment um, they're doing it for the right reasons. And really it's, if they can pull it off, I think society will benefit. So I'm very lucky that my sort of parents let me be from, from a pretty young age. My thought process is I look at risks as challenges and I thrive on challenges. So even when I was given this opportunity to come to America, uh, that was a huge risk to give up a very successful career in investment banking and consulting in Australia, you know, with the great lifestyle, uh, very lucrative to give all of that up, to move to the other side of the world by myself on a one-way ticket with zero guarantee that any of this was going to work out. That's a huge risk that I think nine out of 10 people will not take. In fact, I don't even know any, I can tell you from our background, I don't even know any Indian young man who has embarked on that, let alone of an Indian woman. It's just way too much of a risk. And they might have too much pressure from society and family as to why it's not a good idea. But um, I took that chance and I never looked back. I, it, it's been the most magical journey and it has paid off. And, you know, today I look, people don't realize, you know, they see me up there because I'm a public speaker and although I'm an introvert, when I'm on stage, I can, br I really bring it. I light up and I'm a pro at that. And they see that, they see the finished product and they're blown away. They have no idea of my background, where I came from, what I had to give up, all of that, right? So I, at some point, I think I do want to share my journey more, write about this and uh, people need to know that you can be very introverted, shy, come from nowhere, come from nothing. And just through your work ethic, belief, uh, a lot of courage, you can go to absolute heights. And nobody would even realize how, what a struggle it's been because you can be so effortless about it. So I like risks. I, I thrive because I think more risk, more reward. That's what I've, how, how I've always looked at it. So I know that... Um, uh, and take calculated risks. I think in my case, I've taken intuitive risks, uh, not so much 
Like I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I had a good feeling that I was doing the right thing and that, that I was always in integrity. And, you know, because of that, I've always made right choices and I don't regret any, anything, any of my decision-making in the past because it's brought me to this point. Yeah. Well, your risk taking has definitely worked out for you. We can all see that. And I love the part about taking calculated risks because you're still a risk taker. You're just sensible and calculated about it. So I, I love that. So when it comes to politics, because you're also very much involved in that and have been, what are some of the most difficult things that you personally have had to deal with either as a woman or an Indian woman? Oh, interesting. So I can speak to both of those. I'll start with with being uh, the woman in such a male-dominated industry. And like media, um, it's you're dealing with a lot of testosterone, a lot of alpha males that you may be uh, being you may be interviewed by one. You may be on a panel with five other dudes, you know, who are very opinionated, very boisterous. They have a strong point of view and they're bringing that energy. So uh, for, I would say uh, don't compete with them because you can't beat them at that. You know, uh, bring your own elegant, strong, empowered, um, articulate way. And I think women uh, or society tells us, you know, to be successful like a man, you need to think like a man, you need to talk and dress like a man. That doesn't work. In fact, if you try that, you will you will fail. You do the opposite. Be the feminine. Be a, be be strong, of course, but be in your feminine, and uh, you can still make great points, and you can still be very strong, and be uh you know be willing to call them out when it needs to when it needs be because I think too many women they don't do that because you can disagree in a very very classy diplomatic way and people will respect you for it again you have to be knowledgeable i think you need to back yourself up know what you're talking about if you bring that i think it it's a becomes a very appealing conversation um i have always been the only woman in a you know panel or a room full of uh you know older very uh, successful pro, uh, male experts, let's say, and to hold my own with them uh, is is it's not easy. But when you do it, they respect you a lot. And like in, in especially in the area that I'm in, talking about foreign policy, geopolitics, it often goes into defense, military. So I've been on, you know, on air with CNN, Fox many, many different channels. And it's been, uh, you know, a former chief of staff of a military or, a, you know, a former uh, uh, Navy or, or uh, uh, the Air Force commander, somebody extremely respected and high up. And to be even on the same platform as them, uh, you have to be respectful, courteous, but you hold your own. And uh, you you are, you know, sincere in your analysis. And when you do that, they will notice the amount of times that people will second me and say, uh, I totally agree what Preeti said. What Preeti said, that's exactly what I mean. But I'm almost every time I hear somebody doing that and they are they're all for promoting and supporting women uh, as long as they know that you you have it. 
you know, um, then you're sincere and you come with integrity. I think it's, um, you know, it, it always pays off. You're not a guy. You're never going to be a man. Be your powerful feminine self and bring it like that. It's very attractive. And the other part is very interesting. I think this applies to Indian males as much as Indian females. I think what I've noticed is, especially if it's in the West, you know, if you're on air, uh, if you're on CNN, as I've been, or some foreign network or foreign event, international event, right, happening somewhere else, you, you will be dealing with people who might not know much about Indian culture or Indian politics or the Indian sort of point of view on things. And I think it's your job to inform and educate them. I think I've seen too many times both Indian men and women, they they are they come on these platforms, they don't do a very good job of sharing the Indian point of view. And when some fact is spoken that is factually inaccurate, you have to correct it. You have to be brave enough to do you have to do it in a in a in a diplomatic way, but you have to do it. You know, because there's no point if they're saying things that are just simply not true and you know better, you, you have to come in and, uh, you know, because you are that voice. You whether you When I go on, on, on a speak at an event or go on air, whether I like it or not, I'm being an ambassador for India. And I may be talking about something completely different, but they are seeing me as that. And often I, I'll speak about spirituality and somebody will ask me some question about India that has nothing to do with what I just spoke about because they're intrigued. Sometimes, usually it's good faith. Sometimes it's somebody wants to challenge me. But, um, but you have to be ready. I think, uh, especially Indian politics, I think so little is known. And you must know the Indian point of view. And I think you, you must, whether you like it or not, as you travel around the world, as an Indian American, I mean, the world will still see you maybe. They'll see the Indian part and uh, they will judge you as that. So you have to be proud of your culture. I, I see a lot of people who either are not proud or don't even know enough about their own culture to sort of defend them themselves or, or um, I just, it's, it does our, you know, their own heritage a big disservice you know, uh, political commentators or spokespeople um, or Indian journalists have this extra job of um, informing ed and educating. And also there's a lot of myths out there. Unfortunately, it's going to fall on them to demystify that. I've done it at every opportunity that I see, but I think it's, it's your, your duty to do that because you remember other people do it. I see folks from other places they're very proud of their heritage and they'll come and, you know, speak to that part of their identity. And I think you must be able to do that too. But it, in doing that, I think it's made me very unique, you know, because I am the go-to person. I am the, the Indian expert. And, and as India is such a prominent power, rising superpower, it's going to become so relevant in every conversation we have. So I think it, it really pays to, to do that. That makes a lot of sense. So last question before we move into the next segment. Um, you obviously are a very goal-oriented person. So what are some action steps that you take to achieve an important goal? Ooh, I have always been goal-oriented. 
However, I will say that life is not black and white and it's not a bed of roses. I used to be a perfectionist. I I still am a, a little bit. And I think as you get older and even COVID maybe has, has done this for all of us, but you wake up and you realize that life is never going to be perfect. So you must have goals and you must be focused. Don't uh, be too scattered, but also realize that life is never going to be perfect and you're never going to be quite ready. So just go ahead and take the shot and do it anyway, because I think too many people are waiting for the perfect everything, and that's never going to come. So goals, have them. I think you need to know what your end goal is. You need to know your intention, your dharma. You know, dharma is a Sanskrit word that literally means your path, your your purpose, your way in life. And you need to know why you're here. And then the smaller goals, you can, you know, your monthly, yearly, daily goals, you can break that down and, and work towards that maybe. The important thing is the bigger goal. And then leave a lot of room for imperfections and challenges and obstacles, and you have to maneuver through that. So that's taught, that's humbling, actually, for somebody like who came from corporate world where their goal setting is very different. You know, you, you, there's a formula, you follow it, you know what the result is going to be. You even know the time period sometimes, and you just work at that. Uh, this, whether it's politics, media or entertainment, it's, it's not like that. There is no formula uh, for anybody. You know, they've all just gone their own individual path. And so I have a lot of respect for people who've made it in this industry, in these industries. I may not agree with them, their points of view, but it's not easy to, you know, uh, write a book or speak or be the, be a thought leader. It's not easy um, because you're up against the grain, really. So uh, and, and I think when you come with respect, people see that. And they may disagree with you on your points of view, but they will also respect you. And then there's courtesy, and that's important. So I would tell the listeners out there, know the end goal uh, more than I think. Don't get caught up so much in in the daily grind, uh, those uh, because they could consume you. You could uh, lose the, the forest for the trees, so to speak. I've gotten so many questions over the years and so many girls, mothers, and aspiring models coming to me about how to start or achieve their goals in the modeling industry. I'm so happy to announce that I'm now doing modeling consultations. If you or anyone you know is interested in getting into the modeling industry, but don't know where to start, need to know what to change or focus on if you're in the modeling industry, or you just want coaching in a specific area in modeling, I'd love to chat with you. For one hour, we discuss many topics and you'll leave with direction, the right information, and confidence. For just $88, we have a one-hour video conference where I help you define your talents and superpower. I give you recommendations about what to focus on. I take a look at your modeling portfolio and give you my professional opinion. I share the secret tips and tricks that made me successful. I 
give you information on model calls and modeling agencies, tips on building your modeling resume, we'll chat about proper makeup and skincare, posing techniques, we'll discuss runway versus print modeling, and we'll discuss mindset hacks for success. For what you're getting in just one hour, this is quite the deal, and I am so excited to present this to all my listeners. Just $88 for everything. Email rashi at catwalkthroughlife.com to get started, and the email address will be in the show notes as well. Let me help you achieve your goals. Okay, so now this segment of the episode is a game that I like to play with guests is called catwalk through this. So I'm going to give you two scenarios and you have to tell me how you would catwalk through them or how you would handle them. So scenario number one, and just for the listeners, she does not know what these scenarios are. So it's just a surprise question. Um, You've gotten signed onto a project that you have dreamed of, but your higher up makes it very apparent that they're attracted to you. They make advances at you that you're not comfortable with. How do you handle this situation? What do you do? Oh, I have been in this position. I, many <laughs> I could tell my, by the ooh. <laughs> both in my, both in my corp, actually, to be honest, more in my corporate career. Oh, also, really? it happens it, it, well in, in banking and IT um, yeah. and consulting is all male dominated as well. And I was a traveling uh, consultant. I used to travel around the world on projects that, and it's all guys and they're all, these are like high, um, high energy, kind of high powered, uh, younger, older, whatever. I've dealt with it differently at different stages in my life. Today, my advice to, and how I would handle it today is be honest, be honest, be direct. You could even do this subtly, but let them know that you are, if you're with somebody, make sure they are very aware of that. And if not, they need to know that you're not available and that you're very serious about your work. There's a way to do it where you, with men, the biggest thing is their ego and they are insecure by nature. So you have to let them down uh, gently without uh, blowing their inflated ego. It's not easy. There's there's an art to it. And um, you can do it by still complimenting them, telling them how much it means for you to work with them, you admire them, you respect them, you know, and then somehow subtly that if they get to know that you're not really available and you're just here to focus on the project at hand, they'll eventually get it. If it is highly inappropriate, you do need to say something from the get-go rather than put up with it and then blow up because then also time has passed, it becomes a little... I don't know, the believability will be questionable too. And then they might have some, their own story to spin around it. Um, also, this is sad, but we have to take the high road sometimes. Sometimes if it's very small, let it go. Uh, and maybe they made a comment or we just, you know, you can laugh it off, uh, let it go, and then realize that there is, you know, more to gain than making this a big issue like that happened to me recently and I did let it go and I think I'm better for it now my conscience is fine I think if you if it's troubling you you must say something if if you can let it go it's um 
if it's that small, then then that's fine too. You have to gauge it. Um, next one is you are so close to achieving a goal that you've been working on for years. You've almost reached it. You accidentally made one small wrong decision and now the goal is much farther away. It's completely deflating. How would you handle this? Mm. This has happened, I think, to all of us in all yeah, different... Yeah, I was going to say a lot of people can probably relate to this. So I'm curious your what your answer is. Like it could be something simple as you've maybe idolized somebody like if you're an actor there's a director that you've loved and then you get introduced to him at some event and you you say something he gets offended or just something happens where they're not happy they don't like the their their initial impression of you is not good you know and first impressions are everything um i will say that to the two two parts to this one apologize you know you just be the be bigger be better just be the bigger because this you could lose more i think if you are too if you want to you either want to be happy or you want to be right if you want to be right all the time then you you're going to you know give up on possible doors closing you know uh, in your face because you just want it to be right so apologize if you have to just try to make it right the other thing is sometimes you know they say never meet your heroes in real life that's true sometimes when you just when they're up there on the screen or you know you you think highly of them it's better because you, if you meet them you might turn out they might not turn out to be as nice as you think they are and then you'll be so disillusioned and disenchanted and in that case i think and you if you've had some sort of a altercation with them uh you know what, you, you, you're not perfect. Uh, if they're that difficult and stubborn, let it go. It's never going to work out. It would have never, you know, maybe you're an actor and this happened to you. And this, by the way, this happens to a lot of actors. They go up to that director and they just, you know, because they're so excited, they just say the wrong thing and they come off as needy and desperate. And, and the director totally sees that. And he's kind of dismissive. You, you, you let it go you know that's not the director for you go find people that uh feel your vibe you know so it's it's a two-part thing i think you have to understand that it's a big world with a lot of possibilities and don't be so don't beat yourself up um not everybody's gonna get you and you can't make everyone like you so just go with where the energy is good speaking of energy you know a lot of the time something will happen that does make something, you know, it's not going your way. Right. But a lot of the time later on, looking back, when you connect the dots, it makes sense. Like why that happened, why that didn't happen, you know, because it may have been a blessing in disguise is kind of like what you're saying. Just follow where the energy is going, like stick with the good energy and just continue there and it'll all make sense. Oh yeah, I think things happen for a reason. I think you meet you meet people for a reason. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Uh, be dispassionate. Be detached about mm-hmm. the outcome. You always you have dreams, you have goals. You do everything to make it happen, and you meet the people that you want to meet. You have a meeting, you pitch them, or you audition. Or if you don't get it, let it go. Because I think 
that is very attractive when mm-hmm. you're not desperate and you move on and they'll remember you maybe for a future thing exactly, you know people yeah. people are human they have memories and uh, but if you're too difficult and desperate and uh, when you when it when you've been rejected let's say you didn't get you didn't book the gig they remember that too and they don't like that and i think what especially in this industry what people are actually looking for is someone who's easy to work with and there are way too many actors especially even aspiring actors who are very difficult and they don't even know it so and i've learned this you know being you know around a lot of actors and people in the industry and it's yeah it's very much the, the how how it is yeah yeah i agree Concluding this episode, a quick rundown with Rashi. This is a segment where I discuss things that are happening currently. Um, my daughter and I were recently on a red carpet together, a red carpet event um, this past weekend. And I spent many years in the industry, so the red carpet was very familiar to me and very much part of my career. Um, but it was a different feeling altogether to be there with my daughter, my Aries daughter. And it's so funny, Preeti, because she is actually, it was funny. I was listening to your answer from earlier. You're like, I'm an introvert, but when I'm on stage or when I'm on a panel, I come alive. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's, that sounds very familiar because my daughter is generally quieter or reserve shy until she feels comfortable or she's really liking a situation or person. So on the red carpet, I was thinking like, I might have to work a little bit for her to take um, a proper photo because she might be too shy. But when, when she saw the photographers like being so warm with her and taking photos, then she started posing. I'm like, who is this little girl? It was adorable. And then she, I was going to hold her, but she was like, no, no, she was on the red carpet by herself, center of attention. The other celebrity guests were uh, stopping their interview to look at her, the photographer, like the meet. I was like, what is going on? But it was such a beautiful moment to share the red carpet, something that's been so prevalent in my life with the most important thing in my life, the most important person. You know what I mean? Wow, that's very cute story. And as you were breaking up, like, hmm, that might be me too in a few years. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me on the Catwalk Through Life podcast. If you enjoy the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to check out the blog, www.catwalkthroughlife.com. You can also follow along on Instagram at catwalkthroughlife. Follow me, your host, at Rashi Stevens, or join the Catwalk Through Life Facebook group. And until the next episode, I've loved being your host. Bye.